Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. Wait a minute, how could a good God, how could a loving God allow suffering? So what I'm going to be reading today, it's actually an incredible resource that our dear Nick Hawks has put together and entrusted to me. And so these are his words, it's just going to be read in my voice, um, but this is his life's work. You guys know how passionate he is about apologetics, and um, I hope you'll enjoy what he has to say about this. So, it's perfectly understandable for someone experiencing great suffering to ask, why did God allow it? So let me begin by saying that, first of all, God loves you and he cares for you more deeply than you'll ever know. So therefore, what happens to you matters to God. I mean, I always like to think of when Jesus wept, when he saw the grief of his friends, Mary and Martha, over the death of their brother Lazarus. That was the first thing he did. He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. The love of God means that he shares our pain. There are no easy answers, though, to the vexing question of suffering. There are some things we can't fully explain. However, the Bible does provide enough information for us to not be completely bewildered. Care needs to be taken, however, when we cherry-pick verses from the Bible to teach about suffering. So if we just, it's tempting, and a lot of times Christians do this, to give really simplistic answers by just quoting one or two verses, and that's not helpful in most cases. So, okay, consider James 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Excellent verse. I love the book of James. But if you tell the mother of someone, of the mother who just lost a child, if you quote that to her, how do you think that's going to go over? Like a ton of bricks, right? It's not going to be helpful. You're justifiably going to earn her scorn. So an examination of scripture shows us that there are so many different aspects to suffering that need to be appreciated and held in balance if we are to know the truth that can be known about it. So it's like a diamond with many facets. We, we need to understand that each facet is different if we're going to appreciate the whole diamond. So let's look at what the Bible teaches about suffering. Suffering, unfortunately, it's one of those sad features of a world that's off the rails. It's been corrupted by our sin, our bad choices, and Satan. Fundamentally, suffering is caused by humankind's rejection of God, as the story of Adam and Eve demonstrates. So suffering doesn't come from God, but he does allow it. Job is the perfect example of this. Why? Why does he allow it? Well. The cost of God giving humankind free will to accept or reject a loving relationship with him was the risk that we would choose to reject God and bring on ourselves the consequences of sin, which is suffering. The imperfections of a suffering creation are seen in two ways. First, 
It's seen in the suffering that is caused by moral evil. God has given us free will to accept or reject his lordship, but this freedom has its risks. We're not robots. God didn't, he could have made us like robots that were programmed to accept or reject him. He didn't do that. He gave us free will, free will to make decisions. Now that being said, he knows us so well because he made us. He knows our choices. There's this thing, it's kind of, I, I've heard it referred to as middle knowledge where um, my apologetics professor in uni explained it like this. Today, when we all go home for lunch, you have lots of different options of food you can eat. You can, you could go to Macca's, which is what our kids would probably ask for. You could have pizza, you could have a salad. There's so many different options. You have the free will to choose what you wanna eat. But God, being sovereign, he has that middle knowledge. He knows already what you're gonna choose. So that's always really helpful for me, that food analogy, to understand that. Um, okay, so God risks that we would make bad choices and suffer the consequences. Hitler, a great example of this, he made horrible moral choices and he caused horrendous suffering. Secondly, suffering is caused by physical evil, like natural catastrophes like cancer, tsunamis, earthquakes. It seems as if the sinfulness of humankind has not only corrupted us, but also nature itself. This truth is taught in the Adam and Eve story in Genesis 3. We need to remember that just as the salvation of Jesus, whom the Apostle Paul calls the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, it reaches both back and forwards in history, so too can the sins of the first Adams have consequences that flow back and forwards in history, corrupting creation. But a key assurance that the Bible gives us is that God understands our suffering. He's shared it as Jesus. We don't have a high priest who does not sympathize with our weaknesses. He does. He lived it. He gets it. But here's a question. Do you guys think that God is just a compassionate spectator? What do you think? Anyone? Not rhetorical. Henry, is God just a compassionate spectator? <laughs> No, he's not. God works actively against suffering, evil, and oppression through his church. Christianity doesn't simply give a response to the problem of suffering based on only a future hope. On the contrary, God's Holy Spirit directs believers to work at overcoming suffering and injustice wherever they see it. The other thing to remember is that although we might not be saved from hardships, we never need to face them alone. The promise is that God will never forsake us, and if invited, he'll walk with us through life, lending us his strength. So this is what happens a lot of times. People are tempted to believe that bad things happen to bad people, and then when bad things happen to good people, they're really confused and angry. But in Luke 13, verses one through five, Jesus corrects this thinking because he makes it plain that those who suffer are not necessarily more evil than anyone else. He teaches that their suffering is just one of those sad consequences of the rejection of God by the people of all nations. You know, our kids are always like, why did, why did Adam and Eve eat that apple? And I always say, we would have done the same thing had we been there. But 
the, the result of that is we went down a path that God never intended. This was not the way things were meant to be. So suffering points to the need for everyone to repent. Like C.S. Lewis said, this is one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. It must also be said that a life without pain is, near, is neither possible nor desirable. Some pain is necessary as it's the way our body is telling us it's damaged. Like when you exercise, you are literally breaking down your muscles so that they grow back stronger and healthier and you're able to do more. So suffering can be like that as well. We also need the risks of life to help us mature. We're all on a spiritual journey. We're all at different places on that ladder or staircase or however you want to visualize it. But ultimately, we should be ascending towards sanctification and ultimately perfection in Christ. But that's not going to happen until heaven. Okay, so to recap, the different facets of suffering taught by the Bible. In essence, this is what they are. Number one, God is loving and he's the perfect definition of love. Number two, times of crisis are times of opportunity when we can show God's love, generosity, and self-sacrifice. This is really important because a lot of times, and I think I've touched on this briefly before, when people are suffering, Christians, the, the very place that people should feel the safest to go when they're suffering and hurting and broken is the church and is to God's people, but that's often the place where people are hurt the most. Because Christians, whether well-meaning or ill-meaning, they say things that just aren't helpful and that don't line up with God's character. And I think a lot of times people, they just, they don't know what to say, so then they just kind of word vomit, and then it ends up being not good at all. And so we have this book, um, my mother-in-law actually sent it for Henry, and it's called The Rabbit Listened. It's not a Christian book, but it's, it's a simple kid's story, and I'll just quickly summarize it. There's a little boy in it who builds this tower out of blocks, and then this flock of birds comes in and knocks it down. You know that story, Henry? And the little boy is so upset, and one by one, these different animals come in, and um, there's an elephant who comes, and he says, Oh, I can help you. All we need to do is remember exactly how this tower was before and we can fix it. But the little boy doesn't want to remember. He wants to just sit. And so one by one, all these animals come. And I think there's an animal who's like, let's get angry. A snake comes and says, let's do this to someone else. And then finally, this little cute rabbit comes and just sits there. And he just sits with the little boy and just lets the little boy feel what he's feeling. And he doesn't leave, he just cuddles up right next to him and sits. And eventually, when the boy realizes, hey, the rabbit's not going anywhere, he feels safe enough to start to open up. And then he starts to talk and he cycles through all the different emotions. And the rabbit stays and listens through it all. And then at the end, the boy talks about rebuilding the tower. And it's such a cute story. I love reading it to the kids because I always say, this is what being a good friend. This is what being like Jesus is. You don't need to have these great words of wisdom. You don't need to fix the problem. We can't fix anyone's problems. 
Only Jesus can do that. When someone is suffering and hurting, just being there, just showing up is, is enough. And, and so um, if you don't remember anything else I say from this talk, remember that, that just being there and just listening and just trying to embody Christ when someone's suffering. So, okay, number three, God has the right to bring judgment on us in this life as a consequence of us choosing evil. He's warned us of this reality, but God's judgment, it's, it's not to punish us. It's always aimed at bringing about our repentance so that new beginnings and blessings can follow. Number four, God is just, and he's the perfect definition of justice. So he's the perfect definition of love. He's also the perfect definition of justice. Number five, we all live in a broken and fallen world. We all share in its dangers. Number six, God sometimes uses a situation of sickness to show his glory by bringing healing. Sometimes. And seven, times of difficulty can help us grow godly character, like we talked about in James uh, chapter 1, verse 2. And then finally, this life is not all that there is. Thank God for that, right? Christians can view it from the perspective of eternity, though. God and his goodness will ultimately triumph. We know the ending of the story. Because let's, let's be realistic. If this life was all that there was, I mean, look, just look around. Look at the news. Look at what's going on in Ukraine. Look what just happened in Texas. Look at all the horrible things. If this was it, oh my gosh, like, wouldn't you just want to throw in the towel and quit? Because, I, I mean, I would. But it, it's not. Evil is going to be judged and killed off, and we know, we know how the story ends. So that's a great place to stop for now. I know we've just scratched the surface. This is a huge, uh, the, the problem of evil and, and suffering is a huge objection that many people have to Christianity, and it's something that we will explore more in the months to come. Thank you. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse.